What would you do if you had been alive during World War II? We're talking about some pretty interesting things and about standing up to society when society has gone off the rails. That's today's episode. So we're now into November. Yesterday, I bought my poppy. And as a country, we're going to spend the next two weeks remembering the heroes who fought to keep us free. Last night, um, my husband and I watched a movie, Tolkien. It's actually a really amazing movie. And if you want a really good World War I movie, I highly recommend this movie. And as a homeschool mom... I'm always looking this time of year for a way to teach a part of the war that goes beyond memorizing the countries and memorizing the battles and the dates to go deeper into the stories of the people who were in the war. This week, I want to share with you one of those stories and also how that story is still impacting us today, how we are impacted by this person today. So today I'm actually going to be talking about a German. Now we tend to think of all the Germans as villains, but to have a true understanding of war, we really need to put ourselves into the life and into the brain of the people who were on the side of the Germans. So let's look at the life of a man named Fritz. So Fritz was born in 1668 in Breslau. Today that area is Poland. He was a Jew and he loved chemistry, even though his school didn't have a chemistry class. He studied in his bedroom. And then eventually, when he went to college, he was able to study chemistry. Now, at the time, there was a really big problem with crops and with crop supply. Fritz could see the crops needed nitrogen to produce more food. The problem was the only way the farmers could add nitrogen was by ordering ships full of bird droppings. So in 1909, Fritz created a way to make ammonia for fertilizer and that changed everything. People said that Fritz had actually made bread from air and it was a miracle. His creation was used to stop famines around the world and he even won a Nobel Prize. Fritz married a girl named Claire, who was also a Jewish chemist, and they had a little boy. Now, both Fritz and Claire became Christians. Now, they're still Jewish by blood, but they were now Christian by faith. And that's when World War I started. Now, Fritz loved Germany, and he believed being a patriot was his duty. He wanted Germany to win the war, And he also wanted the war to end quickly. Fritz believed the way to do this was to create a weapon that would end the war. So he created a gas. On the first day his gas was used, hundreds of French soldiers died a slow and painful death. Germany saw it as a success. But Claire begged Fritz to stop working for a war. As a scientist, he was using science to kill people. And as a Christian, she could not handle knowing 
what was happening to those young boys in the field. Fritz said he was not going to stop helping the German military. He was actually going to create more gas. Fritz was promoted to captain because of his creation. Claire, in her anguish, took a gun and shot herself. She could not live in a world where the man she loved was using the science she loved to kill massive amounts of people in an anguishing way. The Germans continued to use the gas Fritz created throughout the rest of the war, and the soldiers who survived the gas were left blind. The gas is still today the part of World War I people talk about as the unfair, most horrible part of the war. The war ended and Fritz continued to work and create weapons, especially gas weapons, for the Germans. Then one day he was told he was fired. He was fired because he was a Jew, and the Jews were no longer allowed to hold government jobs. Fritz at this point had remarried, and he had three daughters. The attack on the Jewish community became so extreme that soon Fritz realized he had to leave with his family while he still could. He escaped and he moved to England. However, because of his work on the gas that killed so many people, the science community refused to work with him. Meanwhile, the Germans rounded up the Jewish community, including the family members of Fritz. The Jews were held in concentration camps and eventually killed. They were killed by the gas created by Fritz. The company that took over Fritz gas and used it to kill the Jews was the Hoch HG. After the war, this company, Hoch AG, bought a side company to work on new killing drugs. The new company was Rolf Altkoff. It's a pharmaceutical company and a French company. Then in 1980, 35 years after the end of World War II, the company created a new death compound. It was called RU-486. Now, who was this new death pill supposed to kill? The target this time was not Jews. The target this time was babies. The pill would be taken by pregnant women and would kill her baby by starvation. Now, America refused to allow this pill to be sold in America. The ties to the deadly company that had killed millions of Jews was too much for Americans. They would not have the Holocaust inside their borders. That was until 1993. On a cold January day, Bill Clinton signed an executive order directing the FDA to immediately begin marketing the pill in America. He was not able to get the House or the Senate to vote to allow this to happen, so he had to do it with an executive order. One year later, in 1994, the French pharmaceutical company gave the U.S. patent the rights to their death pill, RU486. Now, what group did the company give this to, give the patent to? They gave it to a group called the Population Council. Now, who is the Population Council? This is a not-for-profit corporation. It's a eugenics corporation whose goal is to control population numbers. The next year, the Population Council created a company called Danko. Now, the Danko labs were set up in the Grand Cayman Islands. And what was the job of Danko? 
to take the formula and create pills in bulk form. They also sold these pills to China, who was forcing a one-child policy at the time. In the year 2000, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approves a brand new abortion pill. They call it Mifeprex, or RU486, the exact same creation of the company that used Fritz's gas to kill millions of Jews. This pill is a chemical abortion. It slowly kills a baby, and the mother will go through terrible pain as her baby is killed and then leaves her body. This is done up to 10 weeks. Now, a baby at 10 weeks has a face, arms, legs, a beating heart. And in just one year, 339,640 babies were killed with this pill. When the pill became legal, it was under the regulation that had to be administered by a professional and watched closely because there was a chance of things going very wrong. Today, the makers of this pill are pushing for new laws that would allow the pill to be used for self-abortions and bought freely online or over-the-counter. In 2015, the drug became legal in Canada, but it was not actually made available to the public until 2017, only two years ago. The law was, though, that in order to get this abortion pill, you had to see a doctor and get an ultrasound to make sure your baby was not over 10 weeks. Taking the pill after 10 weeks is very dangerous to the mother. I mean, it's obviously dangerous for the baby either way. But then in April of this year, the law was changed. You no longer need an ultrasound before taking the pill. This means young moms can take the pill possibly after 10 weeks, which could lead to even possibly the deaths of the mothers and, of course, still kill the baby. Sometimes when people compare the abortion industry to the Holocaust, people are offended by that. And I can see their point. The Holocaust was a genocide that targeted one people group. And I don't like to compare things to the Holocaust because when we do that, it tends to diminish the story of what happened. However, there are some things we can see that is comparable between the abortion industry and the Holocaust. One is the numbers. Did you know around 56 million abortions happen every year. 56 million every single year. The second thing that's comparable is that the society is silent. In Germany, people really were just going on with their lives. Yes, there was a war going on, but kids went to school, families went to church, all ignoring and maybe just pretending they didn't know what was happening. Today, especially in the West, this is true. We go about our lives just pretending we don't know what's happening. And then there's a third way we can compare them. The connection of the abortion pill and the gas used to kill the Jewish people. This time of year, as we think both about the First and the Second World War, we tend to ask ourselves, what would we do if we were living during that time period? Fritz thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he would be killing enemies that he didn't even really think of as humans. He didn't know that in the end, he would be killing his own family and be creating a substance that would go down in history as the most famous genocide against his own people. I do believe that we can end abortion in Canada. I don't think it's impossible, but it's only going to happen if those of us who are pro-life are willing to talk about being pro-life and know how to talk about it. We need to be willing to be a voice. 
As a church, we need to ask ourselves, what is our purpose? Why did God create the church? Why is there even a church age? God has called us to be a light in the darkness. God has called us to be a guardian of the truth in a world that is attacking truth. But what happens if the church isn't the light and doesn't guard the truth? In the Bible story of Esther, she is called to go to the king and call for the saving of her people. And she's afraid to do this. Her uncle tells her that God has placed her in the palace for such a time as this, and that God will save his people. But if Esther refuses to be used, God will use someone else, and she will not be saved. God has placed the church in the world to be the light and to shine out the truth. But if we refuse to be that light, and if we refuse to shine out the truth, if we are so afraid to do what God has called us to do, God will use someone else, and the church will no longer be necessary. In the book of Revelation, Jesus says to the church that he will take away their candlestick if they're not doing what they're supposed to do. We've seen that happen. We've seen God no longer using the church to do his job, but using somebody else. First, let's learn about two men from Toronto. JP is a teacher with the Toronto District School Board. Caleb is a manny. That's a man nanny. He's also been running a home daycare called Trail Mix Playground. Caleb and JP also like to dress up like women. But by saying women, I'm not really being truthful. They dress up like a very offensive version of women. The overly sexualized, ditzy, overly glamorized in a trashy way version of women. With his hairy chest, hairy armpits, and very hairy back all showing, this man is dressed up in nasty outfits with extreme makeup. Then these two men go to libraries and read stories to little children. The two have become quite a famous show. The fact that these two men are so obsessed with children, both with their teaching jobs and daycare jobs and reading in the library, all at the same time being obsessed with dressing like overly sexualized ditzy women, it's disturbing to say the least. And really, the churches have not done much to get rid of these two men's show. Now, since the church has not done their job, God has used someone else. Step in Megan Murphy. Megan Murphy is a feminist who has started speaking truth into this community. She talks about how offensive this version of women is that these drag queens are portraying. Imagine a white person dressed up with war paint and feathers and carrying a tomahawk and talking a broken English while reading stories to little kids in a library. That would not go over well. Well, that's how I feel about men portraying womanhood this way to little kids. And Megan feels the same way. She doesn't just target the drag queen story hour. She also targets trans people and reminds us that being a woman isn't a feeling. We are women. We're more than just a feeling. Women have fought for the right to have their own spaces by having women's prisons and women's sports and women's washrooms and women's shower rooms. And that's all gone now. In Canada, we have men in the women's prisons now and women prisoners who have gotten pregnant by these men prisoners. How is this happening? The men simply say they feel like women and apparently us women, we're nothing but a feeling. Megan's been speaking truth regardless of the consequences and she's been attacked and she's been kicked off of social media. 
Now, Megan and I would have very little in common. We would disagree on God. We would disagree on family. I'm pretty sure we would disagree a lot on abortion. But since the church has done nothing, God is now using someone else. And it's already working. Caleb and JP, in protest to Megan speaking at the library, have pulled their show from the library. Awesome. That's what we wanted. But they're moving from the library into schools. That's right. Drag Queen Story Hour is now happening in our schools. One mom on social media has been speaking out in her school about not having them there, but she's alone and speaking out. Now, she is not the only Christian in her school, but she's the only one speaking out about it. One of the things that she said that really hit me was that last year, the men had been in another school and she had just been so thankful that they weren't in her school. And that's what I hear from people. When I speak out about what's happening in the schools, people say, well, my school is great. Okay, well, that's awesome. I'm glad your school is great, but guess what? Your school is on the list. Just wait. Let me give you an example of how insane society is right now. I recently heard of a person who identifies as a female presenting trans gay man. Okay, let me read that again. A female presenting trans gay man. So let's break that down for you, okay? A female presenting, that means that when you look at this person, you see female. She dresses like a female. She looks like a female. Trans man means this person is a female, but feels like a man. But remember, she dresses and looks like a female. And gay trans man, so she is sexually attracted to men. So she looks like a woman, dresses like a woman, is in fact a woman, and is attracted to men. So she's just a regular woman, but she calls herself a female presenting trans gay man. Like I said, insane. I hear often from people who write to me and who talk to me, and they're so frustrated in their churches. They see society falling apart around them, and the church is just silent. My Catholic friends are so frustrated with their Pope who seems to be outrightly encouraging this downfall. My friends in community churches, they've also seen acceptance of these lies and actually moved towards encouraging this lifestyle. Even at this point, there's almost a vilification of the Christians who are standing for truth. Now, up until very recently, I used to be able to say the Baptists did not fall into this category, that we were still doing better than other denominations, but... I can't say that anymore because the Baptists are really just silent. And silence is not what God has called us to do. God didn't call us to go into the world and be silent and keep truth to ourselves. He didn't call us to be loved and accepted by the world. He called us to be a light and to be prepared to be hated for showing that light. But I do have hope. I have hope because of the people who write me and who talk to me. And I can see that God is raising up a voice. People who were hoping for the church leadership to be a voice have given up and have now realized that God has called them to be the voice. And the truth is, church leadership is probably not going to step up. I think we have to plan on 
not having the church leadership support, and even more, prepare ourselves that they will probably actively work against us. But God didn't call church leadership to be light. He called the church. And as Christians, we are the church, and he's called us to be the light. So get ready to be brave. And I have help coming for you. January the 1st, I'm going to be launching something that will be a way for you to be prepared to step out and speak and be a light. Here's what I want you to do from now until January 1st. Pray. Pray that God will show you what to do and prepare your heart. And then pray for us as we start to build a team. In the meantime, if you want to read more blogs, want to watch more videos and hear more podcasts, visit lauraleesiemens.com. And next week, I'm going to be telling you a little more about what's coming January 1st. So go out and be a light. And don't forget, when you are praying, to spend a little time praying for Justin Trudeau. We are supposed to be praying for our leadership. He is our prime minister. Make sure you are praying for him. What a miracle that would be. What a way for God to shine light and truth all over Canada if Justin Trudeau's heart was changed and moved towards God. Maybe that's God's plan. Maybe the church is going to be silent and maybe Justin Trudeau will be the one whose heart would be changed and who would start speaking truth. What a miracle that would be. So this week, pray. Pray for that God will prepare your heart. Pray for our churches. Pray for our government. Pray specifically for Justin Trudeau. And if you want more blogs, videos, and podcasts, visit lauraleesiemens.com. I'll see you next week. 